Hey, in the immortal words of Judy Brown, happiness is a choice, and we, Chip Brown, Zay Collier, are happy you are joining us, spending some time with us. From one to three, Zay loaded show. Um, our man John Brown, Cane Protein, father of Amon Ra St. Brown, Equinemia St. Brown, will stop by by 1.30. Matt Mosley, um, the one and only Matt Mosley, who is on uh, 1660 ESPN Radio in Waco. We'll talk about the Baylor Bears, but he also does the Doomsday podcast about the Dallas Cowboys. Yes, sir. We will dive deep into Texas Baylor with Matt Mosley. Talk some Cowboys. And Zay, we... We always open the show talking a little Texas. You know what I'm saying? A little Texas. I do know what you're get, saying, my guy. Let's go. Get you right in there. I, I noticed that we always pick up from BK and Trey in their segment about, like, the weird nuggets of life, the, the stat of the day or some craziness. I think they were talking about sex right before we came in. So... You know, apologies if we're taking you off the uh, the off the beaten trail part of it. But you know what, Zay? I'm looking at this game Saturday. I, I want you to hear this from uh, from our man uh, Dave Aranda. This is this is what Texas is dealing with. This is what they're dealing with this year as as they start the embrace the hate. Um, Big 12 tour. Um, here's, here's Dave Aranda on playing Texas. No, I appreciate that. We are going to talk about that. You know, I think as an aside to that, but probably not an aside, is um, I can't tell you how many times um, this offseason it's been, um, hey, Dave, just win one game, please. You know, and so that has been brought up to me multiple, multiple times. And so, um, you know, I can, I, I, I sense it and I know it. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm uh, blessed and more blessed to be able to do something about it. And so, but we're definitely going to talk about the history and just some of the bigger games in the past uh, because I think that's way important with something like this. I'm blessed and more blessed. To be able to do, to be able to do something about it, Zay. Hmm. What what's he telling us there? I don't know. I think he's just trying to be optimistic, as most optimistic as he can. You're talking about a team that's one and two right now. They haven't looked good all season long. They had a team in Long Island last week that wasn't very good, and they kind of struggled with them, even though it's 30 to 7. That score doesn't indicate what the Bears showed last Saturday. And Dave Aranda, we know he's very soft-spoken and he takes his time very calm, even though he does have an intensity. You have to have an intensity to be a college football coach, especially at this level. But yeah, you just, you gotta be optimistic. We know that this team's gonna fight. We know that, you know, it's sold out, happened today. So most you know, 
tickets that the students have bought all year. And it's like everybody's waiting for this game if you're from that area and if you're a Baylor Bear alum. So, yeah, the last time that it might happen for a very long while. I don't know if you and I will be here to see the next time Texas plays Baylor. But, yeah, you got a team that's number three in the nation that you're going against. And if you're Dave Aranda and the way that you've looked all year, then you have to find any motivation possible. And that burn orange that you're going to face, that's all you need because those people hate the University of Texas. They hate the winning. They hate being, hell, they're not even little brother. Like I consider A&M little brother and Texas Tech, that's a cousin. And then Baylor, they're more like second cousins removed on your stepmama's side. Like it's all, you know, <laughs> it's all different with Baylor, even though they've got Texas in this last decade a couple of times. So yeah, you know, I expect well, that's the other thing, Zay. They're celebrating the 10-year anniversary of their beatdown of Texas in 2013. The Ice Bowl. Remember that thing? I don't want to remember it, but yes, I do remember it. Okay, so this was crazy. This was absolutely crazy. In 2013, Mac Brown was fighting for his life. Remember, this is the year that Tom Hicks talked to Jimmy Sexton, Nick Saban's agent, in January of 2013, and then went to Mac Brown and said, Hey, Mac, you, uh, how you feeling? You thinking maybe uh, it's time to retire? And Mac's like, uh, No. But <laughs> Mac, the, then they start off one and two. They lose to BYU. They get trampled by Taysom Hill. Then they lose to Ole Miss at home. And Mac says, We got to win out. And this is the year that I'm telling you, there was a verbal agreement. Mac either had to win 10 games, he either had to win a share of the Big 12 title, or go to a BCS bowl game. Well, then they go play OU. OU's like 12 in the country. They're thinking they're going to be the pallbearers for Mac Brown's coaching career. And Texas stomps them, plays physical, you know, you had Malcolm Brown and Jonathan Gray running all over the, the boomers. They get on a six-game winning streak, and suddenly they're playing Baylor in that ice bowl for a share of the Big 12 title, and it's 3-3 at halftime, and Mac Brown gives Baylor the wind in the third quarter. And my man's Case McCoy, the spaghetti-armed Case McCoy, who won a ton of big games. I'm not trying to disrespect my man Case McCoy. But by the end of that third quarter, Texas was down like 20 to three. I don't know. It was bad. They lost 30 to 10. Mm. And so Mac was like tortured by that second half because it was tied at halftime. But anyway, they're having like a big old celebration up there at McLean Stadium. They're even inviting Texas fans to join in on the tailgate of this 10-year anniversary Texas hasn't won in Waco um, the last two times. Yeah. I mean, they got to get it going, Zay. And I'm looking at Baylor, and I'm like, what do they have? Like, what do they have? They got a terrible quarterback in Sawyer Robertson. This guy is, like, way off of what they they need to win against Texas. I think it's going to be a feeding frenzy for the, for the Texas defense. The line is going up. 
like it opened at 14. Let me see where it is now. I think it's like almost it's okay. 14 and a half. And yet I'm sitting here listening to Dave Aranda say, uh, I'm blessed to be able to do something about it. And I'm like, what's he going to do about it? The scariest teams chip are the ones that have nothing to lose. Desperate. Nothing to lose. As desperate as I don't know what. As desperate as Mel Tucker. That's where they're at. Like, they have nothing to lose. Nobody's expecting them to win this game. Vegas, like you just said, minus 14 and a half, Texas favor. Like, no one expects them to win this game. So, yeah, that's terrifying. And on the other side, for Steve Sarkeesian and this Texas Longhorn football team, yo, we haven't been here in a long time, fellas. Number three in the nation. Right now, if the season ended, college football playoff. Everybody's picking you to win the Big 12. you got all these guys that are going to go to the National Football League in 2024. Like, man, it's crazy pressure on that side if you let that get to you. Some guys relish in those situations. Some guys just love that type of stuff. You know, like, that's just what it is. So, you could either do or you don't. And coming into this game with how you looked against Wyoming, yo, man, you left a lot on the table last Saturday. That wasn't y'all's best performance. That should have been a performance where y'all showed the nation, oh, man, Texas ain't nothing to be mucked with. Like, that's that performance. But it didn't happen. It might look like that because a lot of people don't have Longhorn Network and didn't see the game, so all they see is 31 to 10. So it might look like that, but you go look at that box score. Fourth quarter, it was 10-10 going into that thing. So, yeah, man, I think that probably Wyoming would beat Baylor if they matched up right now, but Baylor still has guys similar, probably better than the Wyoming players. And, yeah, I don't think... Roberson's going to do anything either. You got to make that dude throw the ball a lot like you did Jalen Milrow and Saboya this past Saturday. But, man, yeah, this Dave Aranda Baylor team, they're desperate. And when they got nothing to lose like they do, they're going to play that way. So you got to take them out early and you can't let them have, a, you know, have any fight. Like you can't go 10-10 going into the fourth quarter at McLean Stadium. That cannot happen because those fans, they're still going to be into it and stuff, What you got to go against them and all that crap that they're doing, talking about having a tailgate to celebrate the 10 years. Man, that's some bologna, ham, cheese, and mayo. That is terrible. Ain't no way. I bet not see nobody in burn orange at the tailgate with those bears because that was a disgrace time and they beat you the last two times in Waco. That's a disgrace too. So you got to go out because they're just another team that's in the way of what you're trying to do. And that's when the big 12 title and get to the college football playoff. And Hey, this week it's the bears. Look at my man, Chris Bennett all over it from 98 to 09. Texas was 12 and 0 versus Baylor since Texas is seven and six versus Baylor. Haven't won in Waco since 2017. Of course, 2019 was, that was Matt Rule's monster team. That team almost shut Texas out. Texas was like scrambling to get a touchdown in the final seconds just to put, put more than a field goal on the board. They lost 24 to 10 in that game, felt like 24 nothing. And then, and then in 21, this was sort of the beginning. Well, not really. 
because they had played OU the week before. They were up 28-7 against OU and somehow lost that game. Then they're up 11 on Baylor in the third quarter. This was the fake punt on fourth and 11 where Cameron Dicker, like the coaches kind of tried to blame Dicker for like going rogue. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's on you coaches. You tell Dicker before you go out there, like exactly what he needs to see for it to be a fake. That was a terrible play. Baylor scored three plays later. They dominate. Baylor had a linebacker turned running back in that game named Abram Smith. That dude ran for 1,600 yards that year. He was nice. He was tough. Yeah. And I don't see that. I mean, I, I like Richard Reese, but you and I were talking Monterey Baldwin. This dude's nowhere to be found. That dude's electric. Yeah, so where he at? He can't find him. It's real simple. 80, number eight, zero. Like, yeah. maybe, they should speed, wear the yellow, maybe they should wear the yellow jerseys so that Spurrier <laughs> Robertson can see them. Maybe the green jerseys are fading into the turf. I don't know. You got to find 80. You got to throw it to him. I guarantee yeah. you. Yeah, definitely. The dude absolutely has uh, Blazers. And, yo, he's a local kid. Like, he's from that area. So you should be showing him a little bit more love than this. Like, he's loyal, very loyal. He could have went to some other places, and he decided to stay home. And this is how he's being used in a year where, again, they're one and two. And not only are they one and two, Chip, all their games have been at home. It's not like they went to Utah. It's not like they went to San Marcos. They've been playing at home. This is four straight home games. They have the most in the Big 12. And I thought that was going to be a huge, you know, positive for them going into the season. When you saw that, like eight Eight home games, eight home games, you're like, yo, these dudes, they're going to take care of business because I know they're pissed off for how they looked a year ago. And you know, going six and four and getting absolutely just embarrassed in Fort Worth in that very chilly game against Air Force. But yeah, it just looks like they picked up right where they left off. And if you're Texas, like you can't see no slip ups. Like you talked about Quinn Ewers yesterday and how he looked a little, you know, just not as calm as you would have liked to see your quarterback, especially when you're three and oh, and I get it. You know, the way that he looked, 11 for 21 against Wyoming, like, come on, man, you were trying to stay in that Heisman race. Now you've taken a couple of steps back. Doesn't mean that you can't redeem yourself. And again, winning gives you more, you know, promotion and more eyes on you to get those awards and stuff like that. But Steve Sarkeesian can't call that way. He can't call like, oh, we're trying to give Quinn the Heisman and this is going to be good for recruiting and this and that and stuff. And of course, they say they don't think like that. But, you know, I don't know. That play calling that we saw against Wyoming, that's just like, dude, I get it. He had a great game against Alabama, but you heard Coach Bowl in his presser after the game. He was saying, yo, we ain't going to let them beat us deep. And that's what every single defensive coordinator going into the Texas game is going to do. They're going to say, yo, offensive line that gave up three sacks to Wyoming. I mean, excuse me, three sacks to Rice. Block. Block good enough to where they could uh, uh, focus on the run game. 
to where Sark has confidence in the run game because we know what he wants to do. He wants to see that ball travel in the air. So they can't play with their food this week when it comes to Baylor. Like, they should blow them out. They should definitely cover. And... Yeah, you know, especially with this defense, like I don't see Baylor scoring over 14 points. I really don't. Yeah, if that happens, then something then something weird has happened. I mean, look, teams have gotten they've gotten off on Texas early. Bama had what their first three runs went for like, you know, 32 yards. Um Wyoming had the big run early, but then Texas adjusts and they they shut it down. Baylor wants to run the football. Like, that's what they do. They're averaging 4.5 yards per carry. So they're going to they're gonna run that wide zone. Texas should be, uh, and, you know, Texas should be equipped to handle that. Yeah. And, and then when it comes to their, their run defense, they're giving up 4.4 yards per carry and 170 yards per game, second worst in the Big 12 to Houston. And their their passing game is Sawyer Robertson is 106 nationally in pass efficiency, which to me is the best indicator of what a quarterback is doing in terms of leading the passing game. In the passing game, if you have good pass efficiency as a quarterback, it usually means you're balanced as an offense. It means you're two-dimensional. Like, the Pac-12 has eight quarterbacks in the top 30, including Caleb Williams, who's number one. The Big 12 has three in the top 30. And the Dylan Gabriel's number two in the nation. So, OU... Kids, they're they're beating up on on punching bags and tomato cans, but they're getting <laughs> warmed up. Emory Jones of Cincinnati is number twenty eight, and Quinn Ewers is number twenty nine in pass efficiency. And and if Central Florida had enough to meet the minimum requirement, their backup Timmy McLean would be number eleven. Pass efficiency, man. I'm just saying, Zay, watch out for those Central Florida Knights this week at Kansas State. Is Rice Plumley playing? I don't. It's Malzahn's like, oh, game time decision. That's what I'm talking about, Gus. Hey, man, give me every go. The backup's playing better than John Rice Plumley. Rice, is he really? Yeah, he has three touchdowns and four interceptions. Rice Plumley, Timmy McClain. Clean. No picks. Hmm. Timmy McLean. It's my guy now. See, Rice Plumley worried about that baseball swing, man. You get your spot taken. You got a lot going on, dog. It's hard to be a two-sport athlete. Ask Prom. It's tough, man. And a quarterback. Like, Prom wasn't a quarterback. That responsibility that you had to do. So this dude going from, you know, the diamond to the gridiron, and being a quarterback, that's tough, man. That's tough. I salute him for it. I really do. But, yeah, I would, I'm not surprised that he's struggling. Not one bit. And the guy that's been in practice every day and that only has to focus on football, Timmy, he's out here balling. Oh, yeah. Rice Plumley, your good job might be gone, bro. That might be it for you. So, oh, yeah. 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 I mean, 
I, they're going to run the football, this Baylor Bear team. Um, a lot of people are going to take what Wyoming did in time of possession and try to control the clock against Texas. Like, I'll continue to, you know, be a broken record here about it. But, yo, that's the new rules. That's a real thing, man. These drives, if you start at your own end and you get five yards at a time and, you know, you end up scoring and you look up and, you know, when the drive started, it was at 13 minutes. And then you look up again when it's over, it's at one minute. <laughs> like, that's going around all of college football right now. And it's giving these high-power teams just very limited possessions to where they just can't get out there and score points even though they're capable. And then when they do get out there, they know that they don't have many possessions. So now they tight. They, they tight a little bit. I felt like we saw that with this Texas team at times this season and just the drop passes. And again, Sark, you know, if we're going to throw it every single down and go three and out, I don't know if that's going to be, you know, the perfect key to success moving forward. Like, like Jonathan Brooks, he's going to have to touch that thing at least 20 times this game for me to feel good. You know, I would obviously love for Quinn Ewers to throw for 400 yards, but David Randa, he ain't no dummy. He ain't. And, you know, they're having problems with the three three five again. So, Aranda, what does he like to do? Come on now. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's going to figure something out. And if this team's going to just say, okay, let's be air again and just, just throw the ball in the air instead of taking what, you know, the defense gives us, then you might have a very tough, difficult game for the Texas Longhorns where it shouldn't be like that, Chip. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at that. And if you got to run it 50 times, run it 50 times. Run it. Don't be, don't be shy. Here's the thing. This is crazy. And look, Texas was so good against Alabama on first down. But Texas is not doing well on third down. Like, they are, they are converting third down only 37%. Mm. That's not good, folks. They're... 37.8%. Kansas, by contrast, Oklahoma, by contrast, is converting third down 67% of the time. Kansas converting third down 63% of the time. Texas, 37.8% of the time. Look, a good third down conversion rate, like a top offense, is over 50%. You got OU at 67%. You got Kansas at 63%. And you got Texas at 37%. So they've been throwing it a lot on first down. And it's been feast or famine. And when they're feasting, it's it's glory be. But like in that 17-play drive that Wyoming had that took 10 minutes off the clock, they converted Three third downs on that drive. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying, Texas has got to do a better job on third down, um, you know, as an offense and as a defense, because as a defense, Texas is allowing opponents to convert 31% of the time. That's pretty good. You'll take that. Um, 33% is is a good defense like 
Baylor's allowing teams to convert third down 35% of the time. Tech is worst. Texas Tech is the worst in the Big 12. Teams are converting third down 44% of the time. So, you know, offensively, though, not there. So we got to we got to we got to see what Sark dials up. He's got to be he's got to be better. Normally he's money with his scripted plays early in a game. Normally he does a really good job of getting the offense into rhythm. Remember the last two years, it's like, oh, the offense, whoop, whoop, whoop. They get off to a great start. And then it was like, hold on for dear life in the second half. And this year it's been a slow start. And then the fourth quarter, which living like that, especially on the road, I mean, it's great that you got this confidence that you can do it, but you don't want to, you don't want to live like that all the time. You're rolling dice. You're trying to roll sevens and elevens, you know, when you're, uh, when you're living like that on the, on the road. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know which one you would rather have. I mean, obviously you want the complete game, but it does mean something that they have made second half adjustments throughout these three games when they struggle in the first half. I just don't like that. The reason why the script's not working is because they're not prepared for what the defense is throwing at them. He's literally told us, Chip, when you're in, out there with your OG recorder, which do you use the same recorder that, you know, you used to interview James Brown or you upgraded? Just, just make sure. I just use my phone. Oh, I use your phone? Okay, we upgraded. So, yeah, when you're out here recording these guys and Sark's over here like, well, this is the second time in three weeks they showed us something on the field that they didn't show on the tape. Like, of course your script's not going to work. That's why you have to change the script. You got to just change it up. You got to see that early. Like, ain't that why A.J. Milley on the field to help see those things? Shouldn't, you know, Kyle Flood be able to see certain things? Like, isn't that why you bought Paul Chris and J.D. Camillus in the building for them to see those things? Like, hey, they're doing this instead of that. What we worked on all week. Let's change it up. If they're going to do eight back, drop eight back, and just rush three, then we're just going to gut it down their throat. That's just what it is. And you know what, Chip? It's like Sark's trying to play to the fans slash the guys he's bringing in. You got to make the offense look sexy. Like, it, running the ball, that's boring. That's why all the rules are changing the NFL and throughout college football. It's to make it more fun and to see more points get thrown on the board. And that's why it's so hard to cover these wide receivers. You can't touch them like you once did. And then you look at the running back. They're not valued at all. So times have definitely changed. But at the end of the day, you're going to need a running game. And I know, you know, at times Sark talks about how much pride he takes and running the football and stuff like that. Oh, I have all these. I've had a thousand yard running back, you know, every year that I've, you know, been a coach and stuff like that. Okay, cool. But sometimes you don't see what you should as a head coach when it comes to the adjustments and the game plan that has to change. Like you have to be open to changing it and you can't be arrogant and thinking, oh, we're Texas. We just have better guys than them. So it doesn't matter. Yes, you want to get to that point, but that's just not realistic. It's just not, especially with the transfer portal. There's a lot more parity in college football. That's why you're seeing all these upsets and stuff, especially in week three. So, yeah, man, like run the damn ball. Like Jonathan Brooks, like he can take it. 
He could take it. The only time that Sark really ran the ball throughout his three-year tenure here, where it was like, yo, he really, really doesn't give a damn. There, are, I guess you could count Kansas and Baylor last year in a way, but that TCU game where Bijan Robinson had over thirty-something carries in Fort Worth a couple of years ago, yeah, like that was one of Sark's best performances as a coach. Now. Bijan did end up hurt later on, so maybe he could have shared some carries with Roshan that game. I don't know, but hey, Bijan's one of the best to touch the rock. I'll give him the ball a lot too, thinking that he could handle it. But that was that there. game. That was that game where Gary Patterson came out afterward and was like, "They ran that kid thirty-five times. I'd never do that to a kid." Hayden, Hayden, but Gary knew. Gary, Gary knew. Yeah, yeah, those TCU guys, they were hitting. A lot of those guys played the national championship game the year following. So, yeah. This is what what makes you, like, if you're a Texas Tech fan, you're kind of slamming your head against the wall because they got Taj Brooks, who's averaging seven yards per carry. And yet, against Wyoming, they kept running Tyler Shuck. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. yeah, Taj Brooks. Yeah. Like, run Taj Brooks. Yeah. I didn't get that. I yeah. didn't get that at all. And but, he was running on his own, too. Like, guys yeah. weren't open down the field, so he had to run because they were calling all these pass plays and stuff. But, hey, you know, you know who he has to impress? Joey McGuire? Micah Hudson. Biggest recruit that they've ever had at that position. How do you get a guy like that? This is what we do, Micah. We throw it around here. Ain't this fun? Look at all these passes you can catch and all these routes that you're going to be out here running. Brooks gets the ball a lot. Then Micah Hudson, he might be rethinking, oh, I don't know if I want to play in the offense like this. You know, no. like it, it's weird. that Coaches shouldn't think like that, but you they have to. They, they In a way, they have to. You have to play – to your audience to a certain extent at the end of the day winning to me just changes everything if you want to win come to texas show that you can win so guys want to come to texas well, and, let's, yeah let's bring let's bring in a guy who's who raised three five-star receiver sons the one and only john brown aka cane protein What's going on, man? I don't know what's going on with my light situation. I got a new light in here. It still ain't working. You got to put it right in front of you. <laughs> you got to put it right behind your laptop or whatever you're using for your for your camera. Oh, man. But, John Brown, your sons... This situation I'm, I'm, I'm very interested to ask you this because your sons who speak three languages and took the SAT in three languages and valued education, but they're five-star receivers. So they want to go somewhere where they're throwing the football. Throwing the ball. So how did you balance that? I mean, obviously the kids probably made the decision, but how did Equinemius weigh Notre Dame's offense versus Notre Dame's education? Oh, uh, he was offered, I don't know how many offers he had, maybe 20-something, 26. But he was interested in Notre Dame because of the education and the football. Uh, Northwestern was up there, because, but the football is not as good. Uh, Stanford was there. They didn't throw the ball. And 
he wanted he liked USC. That's good education because we live in Southern California. So when it came down to it, he felt that Notre Dame gave him the best possibility to play good football and have a good education. So when it came to the coaches recruiting the guys, what was that process like? Like what, as a parent, what were you looking for from like the coaches to say that were like, okay, I trust my son with this guy. You having a party over there? You got some slow music from the 70s going on. Yeah, some jams, man. It's going crazy. Uh, so what would say that again? So so when your kids were getting recruited and coaches would come in and stuff and you would talk to them, what would you look for as a parent to make you feel comfortable and saying, oh, I trust my son with this man? I was looking for honesty. And if I caught him in a lie, I would confront him right then and there because uh, I wanted to see their values. And I always ask them, hey, look, be straight with me. No need to lie, you know. If they don't, if my sons don't make it, I'm not going to cry. I'm going to tell my sons to go harder. So I try to look for the, the, the honesty first. Uh, I try to look at, you know, it was new when Equinemius came out. And it's unfortunate for him because Osiris and Amon learned from that. We didn't know that. Now, I love Coach Kelly. He was at Notre Dame. I, I, I like him a lot. Uh, but we didn't know he didn't he didn't favor at that time playing freshmen, and we were like surprised. Like, Equinemius on your team, and you're not playing him because he's a freshman. Like, well, that doesn't make sense. If the guy can help you win, let him play. Then the second year, he started playing him. So, my point is, when Osiris and Amara saw that, they figured, well, we don't want to go to Notre Dame because they're gonna make you sit as a freshman. So you know. I would tell parents, you know, if your son or your daughter is good, you want to get a coach that that's not opposed to letting your son or daughter play football or basketball or whatever the sport may be as a freshman. Because it, it shouldn't matter really whether your child's a freshman or 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 not. You know, if they can help win, put them in. So uh that was important to me see if there's anything else that was I'm sure there's some other things that was important. Uh and I, I just wanted to see a couple of schools. I don't want to name any names, but they were like came into my house like these are white coaches trying to act cool, and trying to act hip. Like, what are you doing? You know, <laughs> my coach told my son, "Hey, can you believe we gave everybody on the team uh, brand new Beat headphones?" My son don't care about no Beat headphones. You know, like what are you talking about? What about some football here? But he tried to come at us in a in a kind of a ghetto way, you know. And mm. I, didn't, I didn't appreciate that, you know. Yeah. So you got to you got to be straight and 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 not slick willy coming into my house trying to, you know. Tr so it's, it's, it's you got to have your defense up because you don't know they're all. They're, some of them are slick, you know, trying Who's to say whatever you want to hear. Right, and once they get you, then they the real the true coach comes out. So you got to try to sniff that out. And if you can, talk to other parents who've been to that program and see what they say about that coach. Who's the best? Like, who's the 
what coach was the best at like, even if it was Slick Willie, but man, they could talk. Well, let me say this. The most impressive, the coach I liked the best that I, I, I kind of wanted my son to play for was Cal Winningham at Utah. Interesting. Why? His brothers were like straight up guys. But I tell you, he was the most impressive by a country mile. There's no comparison. Coach Kelly from Notre Dame. Let me tell you something. Everybody needs to take a page out of his book. That guy, when he comes in your house, he's all business. He comes in your house, you think that the Patriots are in your house. I can't put it in words, put my finger on what it was, but something about him and his crew was just super professional, and you knew it was no nonsense. I'm going to tell you right now, it was like 100 to 1. There's no no contest. No one else could. No one else came in my house like this guy. So this guy is like very, very impressive when it comes to recruiting. So and I and I thought he never got credit for that. I don't know why. Maybe people like me never spoke up or never was in a situation where you would ask that question, and so you would see, you know, how impressive he was. But man, Amara was locked to go to USC. I never. I, and this is a true story. I never said to Amon. What school you want to go to? I never asked him. But I knew as a father, he was leaning towards SC. Chip Kelly came, uh, uh, Coach Kelly came to my house. Brian Kelly, I'm sorry. Brian Kelly came into my house. And Amon Ra was walking up the stairs when he was leaving. He looked at me and my and my wife and said, if Equinemius stays one more year, I'm going to Notre Dame. Wow. Look how powerful he was. When Chip uh, came into the house. I mean, Brian Kelly, sorry. I'm getting the names messed up, sorry. When Brian Kelly came to my house, Amara looked at me and said that. He never mentioned anything. That's how impressive he was. There's, I'm telling you right now, when I say no contest, no contest. Well, he's at LSU now, and part of the reason he went to LSU is so he doesn't have to deal with the academic restrictions at Notre Dame. He should kill at LSU, right? He's a kill because now he has the horses. He can, I mean, if you can fog a mirror, you can get into LSU. <laughs> Stop. Right? Stop. Stop. JB, come on, JB. I just fog a mirror. I, I mean, <laughs> no offense to LSU, but if they want you bad enough, they're going to yeah, find a way to. It's a, a little different program than uh, Notre Dame, of course, but uh, he, he had the horses there. And now he can really do some damage, but my goodness, was he impressive? Oh, I mean, just I think he's going to win a national championship at LSU. Oh. It's just just a matter of time. Yeah, he's he's. A, I think he's a good coach. One of my one of my favorites. I like a lot of coaches. Don't get me wrong, but he's one of the favorites. No question. And Brian is uh, BK is uh, misunderstood sometimes, but he's he's a no nonsense, hard kind of guy. I like hard coaches. I'm yeah. hard. I don't want to solve coach coaching my son. Right. So I appreciate his uh his his uh hardness, his energy, his effort. I, I appreciate it, you know. Yeah. I mean, hell, you took your kids to Compton and dropped them off every weekend to <laughs> harden them up. You want a hard coach. Let me tell you something, man. There's a lot of these a lot of these parents, man, they don't get it. I told all the coaches that I knew, I said, if I ever got a chance to talk to a coach, I go, look, coach, 
We expect one thing out of you, a fair shot. That's it. And if my sons don't make it, I don't don't start them. Put them put them on the bench. I'm okay with that. If they're on the bench, they know they got how to get off that bench. You got to work hard. So if you put them on the bench, you're helping them. You're not hurting them. A lot of parents don't get that because somewhere in life you got to learn how to fight. But at USC, it was weird, right? Because USC, they had Michael Pittman, they had Amon. Amon was a beast as a freshman, but how did things change from when he committed and went to USC to his time there? Because they had quarterbacks coming and going. JT Daniels, Keaton Slovis. I mean, some of these some of these boys are still playing at other schools on year six. But it got crazy, didn't it? Look, it got crazy because, look, there's a lot of good athletes at that school. And not just Amon Ra, but Michael Pittman was shortchanged, I think, also. You know, a lot of the receivers, because what they were doing was they were trying to share the ball. So if Michael Pittman made a touchdown, let Amon make a touchdown. If Amon made a touchdown, let Michael Pittman make a touchdown. That's unfair to those guys, you know? I mean, you got to let them be all they can be. If Michael Pittman can score four touchdowns in a game, let him score four. You know, if Amon Ra can score four, let him score four. You saw against Washington State, Amon Ra had four touchdowns in the first quarter. In the first quarter, that's unheard of. So you would think that the coach would go, okay, well, this has to be some kind of record or he's approaching the record. Let's let him eat. Continue to let him eat. Let's get him eat. Yeah, they shut him down. Mm. So, you know, trying to spread the love. They're like a lot of tree huggers over there. So, and it was unfair to, like, even Tyler Vaughn, a lot of these guys, you know. Other schools you go to, they'll let you shine. If you're the man, they're going to let you shine. You saw in that first game against Texas, as a freshman, he went crazy. Yeah. I don't know if he had, 100, he had 160 yards or something, 167 yeah. yards. He went bananas. And all of a sudden, he ain't that guy anymore? Come on. It's Come on. Him. And he took a hit in that game where his yeah. mouthpiece came out. I, I, think, I think he had a concussion in that game. Yeah, that was targeting. No, 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 before that hit. Oh. Before that hit, because, you know, you know your kids. And... I saw him catch a ball, a deep ball, and hit his head really hard, the back of his head on the ground. And the way he got up, and I saw on the big screen, his eyes, as so though he's concussed. He just went to the sideline. So when he got hit, his mind, he wasn't all there. Because normally he would turn and see that guy. He had time to look and see that guy coming. He was not right in his head. He was concussed in that game. He didn't know it. Wow. They were really working him hard. Making him catch all the ball. He was doing everything. Man. Did he score in that game? Yeah, he did. Let me let me double check it. Let me get you the let me get you the numbers. Is he okay for the Lions? I, I don't know. Uh I, I don't wanna I know me. If if I got my, my toe or anything, ankle got injured, I don't want anybody talking to me about it. Yeah. Let me leave me alone, let me get the heel. So I, I don't I don't really ask him about that, you know, because yeah. I wouldn't want to elaborate about it because it's on your mind. It's stress. It, it's it's something you don't want to think about. And if someone asks about it, you're thinking about it. So I don't I don't I would try to not to think about it. So I, I know 
He doesn't want me to call him and ask him about that. Okay, so Amon had nine catches for 167 yards, Seven. no touchdowns. Oh, see, 167 okay. yards, and they just didn't go to him in the end zone when they were in the red zone. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> this guy was killing it, you know, like Lady Mead in the, in the red zone. But it is what it is. They try to do their best. What would you think of the game on Sunday? Seahawks got them in overtime. Jared uh, was about to, they, yeah. they, the Lions were fighting hard as they could. It just, you know, I mean, it's NFL, right? Any given Sunday, you can lose, right? Uh, you have your game plan. Maybe your game plan don't work when your players get hurt. Messes up your game plan. So, I mean, to go into overtime shows that they were battling in that game. I was hoping they would win, but it, it didn't didn't go their way, unfortunately, you know. And uh, Amon hurt his toe, and it was cramping up. I was I was shocked he cramped up at home. That's, that's unusual. I have to put that in my mental computer and find out what what happened to his body physically, where he would cramp at home. That that's that's not normal. I mean, there's something missing nutritionally because he should have just by eating food, his natural food, he should have had enough electrolytes, enough sodium in his body not to cramp at home. It's very unusual to cramp at home. Uh, no. This gotta, go ahead. Of course, talking to John Brown, two-time Mr. Universe um, and father of three five-star sons, Equinemius Osiris and Amon Ra St. Brown and Cane Protein, caneprotein.com. John has come up with the formula. To get, your, to get your kids right in terms of the protein they need to take in. So you're you're watching, you still like you still watch USC. Do you do you is that the team you watch living in LA? I watch USC. I watch Notre Dame. I was watching Stanford, but they're they're, they're rebuilding over there. And I watch Colorado, of course. <laughs> Colorado, baby. Colorado. That's some must-see TV. Yeah, you got to see that, man. Hey, what did you think of Shadur in his post-game interview talking about, I went Tom Brady mode. I'm I'm just like him. He's showing his watch. I, you know, like I said last week, there was a time I would have said I didn't like it, but now I have to say I like it because I, I think Afro, Afro-American people are rhythmic people. And we need to celebrate. We need to do things like show to watch. It's part of our cultures. It's, it's in us. And I think through education, we have learned in football to suppress that. And Dion and his son has came on the scene and let everybody know it's okay to be celebrate, to celebrate. It's okay to, to identify with your rhythmic spirit that's inside of you. So, uh, yeah, I think it's okay. You know, I think it's okay. Yeah. I don't. I don't see him. And even if he boasts, you know, there was a time like Muhammad Ali. No one liked Muhammad Ali, right? Deion Sanders is kind of like an Ali of football. You know, I agree. And hey, he I, what he's doing is historical. It's changing. If you can back it up, yeah. yeah. And right. okay, one thing: every coach, every team, every general manager. Maybe in the NFL, every president is looking for their next Deion Sanders. Yeah, that's true. Can you imagine if they had him at one of the big brand schools? Oh, my God. 
Hey, John, do you think Dion could make it in the NFL if he were to make that jump? I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm worried about that. I, I don't know. Uh, because there's older guys that get paid for money. They're not, they're not kids you can mold. So, but, but I'm sure if they bought in, he could do it. Because you know what he does? He identified with the good players. It wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if he was at an NFL team and he let some big-time guys go and pick some guys up off the street. <laughs> they go, what are you doing? Trust me, this is a guy I need right here. This guy is a killer. We need him. It wouldn't surprise me if, he, if they bought into it, he would figure it out. Because he can identify because he's from that neighborhood. And he can identify with the talent. And he was a good athlete. So he can look and go, he can smell it. Yeah. No, yeah. that's not the right smell. No, this is the guy. He can see it. So uh you know, if you if you're born in the jungle, you can identify with danger or or threats that an average person that wasn't born in the jungle could not identify with. So my point is he's from that neighborhood. So he can identify with a lot of stuff that the coaches can't. Either even black coaches who were born and raised in suburbia, they wouldn't be able to see it. But the certain coaches, certain guys from that neighborhood can see that and can smell that because that's the guy right there. Even me, yeah. I go to schools from Pop Warner, junior high school, high school, college. I would see guys and I go, mm-mm, that ain't him. That is not him. That's all. Mm-mm. That is not that's him. True. No, no, he, that's He crazy. ain't it. <laughs> right? I think... I think Dion is perfect for college because he gets to bring in his players. I think college coaches go to the NFL and they just suffocate because they can't control the roster. Yes. And it's hard. Like you said, it's hard to motivate millionaires, man. It is hard to motivate guys. If they're on an eight and eight team, they're kind of going through them. They're just going to do what they got to do to stay on the roster. That's it. So, but if they, if they bought into it, he could do the same thing. Yeah. But they would have to buy into what he's what he's selling. I just don't know if they if he can convince them to do that in the NFL. But what he's doing is is, is remarkable and it's needed. And it's gonna open the door for a lot of black coaches. Because I think it's a copycat league. Yep. And everyone's like, okay, if he can do this, what was the average coach? We can turn your program around in uh, about three years. Dion's like, no, we can do it in 90 days. It doesn't take three years. So now when you come with that yin-yang, you know, we're talking about three years. No, no, you're not the guy. I need the guy that can do it in 90 days. So now we know it can be done in 90 days. Yeah, Dion is making it tough on people because now everyone's going to be like, hey, Dion did it. What's taking you so long? Yeah. He exposed everyone. Yeah. that's well, let me, He knows the players. Let me ask you this, John Brown. Um, you watch USC, Caleb Williams, Heisman Trophy winner. What impresses you most about Caleb Williams, quarterback of the USC Trojans? Accuracy, thinks quick, can throw the ball on the run. Just He just processes everything really fast, like Patrick Mahomes kind of thing. But Sidora Sanders is also really impressive. But, you know, they process information really fast. And they know, and they can, this escapability is amazing. They just, 
and his accuracy. You, I think you're born with that. You know, I mean, some guys have it, some guys don't. If you either have it, you don't. You know, yeah. some guys have to work hard another. Yeah. How much would Amon Ra love playing with Caleb Williams? Man, let's, look, let's, let's talk about this here. Like Dion got that guy uh, Hunter going both ways, right? Yeah. You know how many kids there are at Texas, Alabama, SC, all over the country that can go both ways? There's thousands of them, but coaches won't let them do it. That's a mistake. Now they're learning. Hey, man, if you're if this guy's the best guy, he can go both ways. Let him go both ways. He's your best guy. Amaral could have been. Amaral's a better defensive player than offense. Now, people don't learn unless you play, you know, was coaching him in Pop Warner or something. The Pop Warner coach goes, he was shocked when he went to high school and go, he's not playing defense? Oh, my God. Do they know what, he's, what a terror he is? So just, there's guys all over that can go both ways. And now Dion exposed that. And now they have the coaching guy to go, huh? We got, now the kids are like, hey, you going to let me go both ways? If not, I'm not coming here. <laughs> yeah. I'm not coming to your school. I need. To, I can go both ways. I know I can. I can do both positions. Yeah. And it helps your roster in the NFL, right? Yeah. yeah. You oh, got three men. So if you got four guys, four guys on your team that can go both ways, oh my God. Oh. Yeah. So how, how would that work though, realistically? Because obviously that's a lot of wear and tear. You know, Travis Hunter, he's not going to play for the next three weeks. And obviously, that was because that was of a dirty man. hit, though. That was a dirty-ass hit. Yeah, that was a dirty hit. But, yeah, like, where – how do you take care of your body? Do you just sit out and practice more? You mentioned Amin Ra and his, you know, diet right now. Do you have to eat a certain way? Like, how would you go – I, I think I think you, you, it's a question of eating, sleeping. You can't over-train. You can only under-eat, under-sleep. So there got to be a balance between your training, your performance, your eating, your sleeping. There must be a balance. Uh, but if you, if you figure, Dion has some kind of understanding of that because he kind of went both ways. So he's known like Travis, hey, sit out here. Hey, do this, do that. Because there's only so many miles. Every uh, Your body's like a, like a vehicle. Every car has so many miles, it can go before it starts breaking down. Every car. We don't know what that is, but there's a number. Same thing with a kid. If you have if you have this much this this much time to live and you run really fast, guess what? You you die really fast. <laughs> so you gotta time that thing. Like like I'm in raw, I'm concerned about his his cramping. I'm like, as his father, I'm like, what? I gotta talk to him and go, okay, tell me what you've been eating. Because that shouldn't happen. That's very, very, very peculiar to me. Why would that happen at, at home? I can see if he was on an airplane or if it was really hot. I don't know, but like electrolytes, hydration, they're all hydrating. But I told my son, you have to, I think I mentioned this before. If you, if you don't want to cramp and you want to tell your coach can tell you hydrate, okay, you're going to cramp if you hydrate. You got to take electrolytes, but you got to electrolyte load for four days. You know, four days prior to the event, you got to start taking electrolytes every day. Then it gets in your system to help you. Uh, it's not 100%, but it's probably like helps you 80%. It helps a lot. So in terms of guys going both ways, man, they got to eat and sleep the right thing, man. I'll tell you right now. You got to have a coach that understands that. 
Yeah. Because as they get older, it gets harder. Well, Lions Falcons this week. Bijan Robinson, former Longhorn, running back for the Falcons. <laughs> He's trying to get it going. You got uh, the Lions. I mean, my Lions, baby. Love man, if you win, man. It's just, ooh, you got to be careful. It's the NFL, man. Yeah, you it's know, tough. Pull on, pulling for the Lions. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> how, how do you feel about Jameer Gibbs? Because now David Montgomery, he'll probably miss a couple of games because he got hurt on Sunday against the Seahawks. But Jameer Gibbs, man, he has something coming out of he has some, some explosion, doesn't he? Yeah. He has some explosion. Uh, he's going to have – well, they got they got a – Craig Reynolds is over there, another running back. He's not real popular, but he's good, you know. I think he'll probably take Montgomery's position for right now. They have a lot of guys that are running back. I'm not worried about that. But Jameer Gibbs, they're just figuring out how to use him. And he's new, so he's getting getting familiar with the offense and the speed of the game. I think it takes those guys about six games before they go, okay, I feel comfortable now. And once he gets comfortable, he'll start doing even more damage. Well, JB... We love it, man. We love the conversation every uh, every Wednesday. Let's I got do it. Life fix, man. I got a, I got the biggest life you ever seen right next to my head here. <laughs> <laughs> this thing ain't working out. I'm in the dark over here. What's going on? There? I'll. Uh, <laughs> I understand, JB. Trust me. I know. I get it. I get I it. Look, look on, for, hey. for a brother that lights key, man. I get it. I get How you get your lights on. You said you just have a lamp, right? Uh, I, I had to re. I had to get a new light. I got a new one. So I got to I got to just let just I'll call you. I'll call you and we'll get it all set up. Yeah, Chip's got you. I got you. There he is. John. I got his biggest two basketballs, three basketballs. You. Okay. I'm going right. to call you. We'll get uh get him right. Hey uh I mean where where are you going to get conversation like that with my man john brown oh man he's terrific man i mean him talking about brian kelly coming in recruiting brian kelly's gonna win a natty at lsu texas needs to win fast they need to win now because i know and you know i thought brian kelly was gonna muck it up when he tried to do the southern accent and tried to bring that on like that was a disaster so it's interesting that you know john said that about him like that was he was the most impressive guy that he's ever seen and he got so much heat from being in a way unauthentic with that ridiculous accent but yeah the dude could definitely coach and yeah that talent in the boot is for real. Like, you know, just covering college football for 40-something years, like, the talent in that area is different, man. And it might be a small state, but the talent is crazy. Yeah. Um, next week, we'll ask him about Brandon Baker, the kid at Modern Day, the five-star offensive lineman. But look look what I'm drinking here. Ooh. Hey, okay. little pop. The healthy soda. This is good stuff, man. I'm just it telling you. It is good, yeah. Nine grams, nine grams of dietary fiber, and only three grams of sugar. Yeah, man, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, because these sodas out here, 
straight to diabetes if you keep drinking these sodas at our ages man you gotta be careful with that so Ollie seriously Pops is amazing it's a man they got a dr pepper con too yeah olipops do it big well you want to tell the folks about uh the fine folks out at uh covert b cave Oh, that's right. Covert B Cave. Shout out to my guy, Dan, and the crew up there. And the beautiful 42 acres, man, just of luxury cars from GMC, Cadillac, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Buick, and Ram. You are going to find what you want there. SUV, truck, car. You want the top down, you know, riding clean. It's about to get a lot cooler, so you could actually put the top down in your vehicle when you're trying to get around Austin, Texas. Covert BK, they have you covered. And if you want to go check out the inventory or the latest specials, not a problem. Go to covertbcave.com or call the great people down there at Covert B Cave. They will help you out in a jiffy. And then once you get there, you're in, you're out, you get the car that you want, you get the car for the missus, or the missus could get the car for you. It don't matter. But Covert B Cave, they will take care of you. And just like they take care of us at Texas Sports Unfiltered, go check them out. Love it. You know, I'm looking at this thing and uh, I'm like, give you a little chip shot um, before we talk to Matt Mosley at 215 and man I'm I'm looking at these games you know I'm always trying to to get a feel they say that the best time to bet college football is like week two because Vegas still hasn't quite figured out what what teams are yet and now I think we're we're starting to get a, a better feel after three games going into to Big 12 play. And we got two two teams playing this uh, this week that I think we got to keep an eye on. And it's the Kansas-BYU game because it looks like after BYU went to Arkansas and won – that they know, they know what they're doing. That Kalani Sataki's got that defense going. Keaton Slovis, um, they, you know, they're they're better than people think. That was a off year for BYU last year, and Kansas looks like their defense is figuring some stuff out. BYU's going to hammer them and be physical. Kansas is going to try and use that speed. I mean, it's amazing. We're talking about Kansas and all that speed, but Jalen Daniels, get this, Zay, Jalen Daniels completing 75% of his passes and Jason Bean, when he's had to come in for Jalen Daniels is completing 78% of his passes. Mm. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Quinn Ewers isn't doing that now. I'm not trying to be cold-blooded or anything, but, you know, my man, yours, he's completing 60% of his passes. Eight touchdowns, no picks. You'll take that all day. All day, you'll take that. Jalen Daniels only has two touchdown passes, one pick. Jason Bean, two touchdowns, no picks. And, 
man, Kansas is rolling into town a week after, a week from Saturday. And I think that's going to be a, a game where the Texas defense, we're going to see what they're all about. Because they know what they're doing. They they can throw it around. They can run it. And, you know, I don't think Alabama used Jalen Milrow the right way. I think the Texas defense got off a little bit lightly. Because how do you not have quarterback design runs? Kansas has quarterback design runs. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they do, man. And Daniels, the preseason Big 12 player of the year, like that dude, he can really get going. Like he has some jets and once his arm, once that gets going, then we saw what we saw against Illinois. Like they can run some points up. So yeah, it's going to be a good contest between the Jayhawks and the Cougars. Um, But, you know, fact that it's, in Lawrence, I think that means something. Um, you know, I just think that that's going to give the Jayhawks the advantage. But, yeah, you can't sleep on the Jayhawks at all. Like, their defense isn't the best, but they're going to score some points, and they're going to play at a very fast pace. So if you could keep Jalen Daniels contained, then, hey, you have a chance of winning that ball game. But like you mentioned, Chip, like Bean, when he comes in, he ain't no slouch either. Like a lot of teams – kind of like Malik Murphy, they were trying to get Bean out of Lawrence. They were trying to, you know, get him away because he could be a starter at a lot of these, you know, power six, excuse me, power five programs in the nation where some of these other guys are struggling, but he decided to stay there. So, hey, Lipo, he likes to use both of those guys. And, yeah, I think this is going to be a tough matchup, but I got the Jayhawks pulling through at the end. Okay. The other game I'm I'm watching is OU at Cincinnati cuz Cincinnati they got some they got some guys that I'm like okay I don't I don't really know much about Cincinnati but Emory Jones this dude at quarterback for Cincinnati he's completing 66% of his passes he's got seven touchdowns three interceptions and he can run it he's He's run it for 144 yards. So he can he can make plays with his legs. And they've got uh this kid, Corey Kiner, at running back, who's averaging 6.1 yards per carry. I think this is gonna be a good test of where that Oklahoma defense is because last year, um Oklahoma's defense was miserable and Oklahoma had a tough time kind of pulling away from SMU, kind of like the, the Texas Wyoming game, but they beat the, you know, they beat the snot out of, um, you know, central Arkansas and Tulsa, but Cincinnati, they're better than I thought. I thought Cincinnati was going to be one of the worst teams in the league because I wasn't quite sold on Scott Satterfield as the replacement for Luke Fickle, but they got some dudes, man. They got this dude, Xavier Henderson at wide receiver, who's already got 20 catches. Um, I'm I'm really excited to watch this uh, Cincinnati OU game because um, OU's going on the road for the first time. Let's see what they got. Yeah, uh, I think they were on the road against Tulsa 
Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, they're on the road when they beat them down. But Brent Venables in year two, yeah, the Sooners look a lot better. Dylan Gabriel, he looks a lot more comfortable. But you know, he's still throwing his body all over the place. Like that's what got him hurt last year against TCU. Like he's not afraid to run and he's not afraid to fight for extra yardage or let his you know put his shoulder pads down. But Cincinnati, yeah, 538 yards against Miami, Ohio total offense. And then 273 yards on the ground. You just mentioned their running back and their quarterback. He uses his legs too. So yeah, they're no slouch, man. Like they play hard and they might be the surprise team of the Big 12 that everybody slept on. I know that Neil Brown thinks he's has a surprise team saying that he won't be last up in this thing. But yo, those Bearcats, man, they're scrappy. So it's gonna be a good test for the Sooners, but yeah, man, they just Oklahoma looks good right now. Like that offense is firing all cylinders, and if they could keep that up, then I think they could take care of the take care of business for Cincinnati. Yeah, Cincinnati's run defense teams are uh, running for less than four yards a carry. That's what you're that's what you're looking for. Their pass defense not great. So Dylan Gabriel probably going to try and light them up through the air. I want to ask you this before we bring on Matt Mosley to talk some Baylor and Dallas Cowboys football. Matt Mosley does uh, the Matt Mosley show in the afternoons on uh, 1660 ESPN Radio in Waco and the Doomsday podcast with Ed Werder on the Dallas Cowboys. What do you think of Deion Sanders, um, you know, saying what he said about the kid who hit Travis Hunter saying, you know, he made a mistake. He doesn't he doesn't need to be getting death threats. And I sure hope it's none of our fans making death threats against this kid. Right thing to say. Right thing to say. He's absolutely right. Like no one should ever get death threats and especially for playing a sport. Like that's absolutely ridiculous. I know the running back for the Vikings, he had some very ignorant racist comments for uh, their performance against Philly a couple of nights ago. So yeah, it's just trash, man. Whenever you see it, it's absolute trash. And, you know, again, Dion's right. The kid is young. It was a dirty shot, but hey, you learn from those things. There are a lot of things that we've done growing up that we would probably like to take back, but we can't. We just got to learn from those things. And, you know, a dirty shot like that is one of them. So I appreciate what Dion said. I mean, he could have easily went the other way and been very petty. Like, oh, you heard our star player right before we play against some of the best teams in the Pac-12 right before we start conference play. Like, ain't that Baba? Like, I could definitely see him going that route. But he took the high road and, you know, he said the right things. You know, at the end of the day, just threatening the guy's family and stuff, finding the address of where he lives. Like, that's some scary stuff. Like, that's absolutely terrifying. That could traumatize certain people and kind of take away your love of the game. So I appreciate what Dion said. And, yeah, they move on to Oregon this week where it really gets real for those Colorado Buffaloes. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I uh, I think it's going to be it's going to be tough sledding. But let's see. Let's see. See what uh, Dion can get from uh, from the from his team. Yeah. Well, what did you, you think about it? I, I thought he was right on the money. I thought he was right on the money. I thought the fact that he 
gave a long extended answer, a thoughtful answer to it, um, shows that, you know, he, he meant what he said. He wasn't just trying to pay lip service to it. Um, that, uh, you know, I mean, everybody saw the hit, it was nasty and, and, you know, I'd love to know what Dion said to Jay Norvell in that little embrace after the game, but um, yeah, a little personal. It did. Shador, he wasn't happy either. Like it yeah, was Shador like, was right there. Yeah, it was kind of like he was there. Like yo, I'm not gonna let my if my dad says anything classy, I'm gonna intercept that. And because he was talking, like you could see his lips moving a little bit. It's like all right, guys. All right, but hey, that's the wave right now down there in Boulder. It's definitely going. All right, Michael's had it with uh, with Coach Sanders. Yo, right. when they start losing, we'll stop talking about yeah, them. Yeah, we'll stop talking we'll, when they start losing. Well, we'll probably still talk about them because they're losing now, and that'd be something. Like, how does he deal with adversity that way? So, yo, it's Deion Sanders, man. I don't know how. He, Warren Sapp out here talking about he's going to go back to Miami and get his degree just so he could be on the staff next year, which, Warren, you should have gotten it a long time ago. I'm not saying, you know, go when you're in the league and stuff, but you've been out the league for a while now. You could have went and got it. Like, oh, you know, now you're going to have to take these classes and stuff, which he probably doesn't have many credits left. But, yo, man, guys that have never coached a day in their life, might have played the game, might have known that they want to go be on that way with Deion Sanders. And I get it, man. It looks fun. It looks fun. Well, let's uh, let's bring on our next guest. Yeah. The one and only Matt Mosley. Matt Mosley of the Matt Mosley Show on 1660 ESPN Radio and also the Doomsday Podcast. Mosley is on the move. He's on the move. What's up? Hey, guys. How are you? Hey, we're, hey uh, we're excited to be talking some Baylor football with the most knowledgeable man about Baylor football. Well, I appreciate that. It's a title I've worked on for many years, and uh, and my apologies. I was going to get a beautiful background for you guys and everything, and I decided to uh, I need to go a different route here. But uh, good to be on with you. I'm excited about y'all's show and and uh, being on with you. And this is a uh, I would say kind of a bittersweet week. I mean, as we get ready to say goodbye to the horns, horns. Uh, I think are ready to say bye to us. And uh, I was talking about the Baylor as a Baylor alum. Uh, so it's a weird, a weird week, but an exciting week. And un unfortunately, the Horns catch the Bears at a uh, at a very vulnerable time. Uh, and so I, I continue each day to try to talk myself into maybe there's a way, maybe there's some sort of angle here. And I'm really having trouble, guys. So I'll I'll do my best though to provide you any information you might need on the uh, 2023 Baylor Bears. Well, let's start with uh let's start with the the offense. Uh Blake Shapin goes down, uh Sawyer Robertson comes in from the transfer portal from Mississippi State. Looks like he's struggling a bit mostly to to get things going, but you've got the running game Richard Reese. Um 
you know, kind of size up what you like, what you don't like about the uh, the Baylor offense? Well, they, they brought in a transfer from Oklahoma State, Dom Richardson, Dominic Richardson, and he has really been one of the few highlights of the season. Unfortunately, he has a high ankle sprain. Reese is fast, good back, and they unveiled a youngster named Dawson Pendergrass against uh, uh, the LIU folks who came into town, the Sharks, uh, recently named team, by the way. I think they changed their name after several years there. And Pendergrass ran with, uh, uh, I mean, he, he, he really was getting four or five yards after contact. Again, I don't know if that's because of the Sharks or that's how he's going to be. They also have a guy from, well, you guys know the state pretty well, but a big-time uh, uh, class 2A power, Franklin, and his name's Br- Bryson Washington, who's a true freshman running back. So they have some uh, good young running backs. I think to have any chance at all in this game, it will be about ball control, trying to run the football, and it just I, – I just don't – right now the quarterback – does not look like he's ready for prime time. And maybe he will be, but, um, you know, someone y'all know well, and and sadly we lost him, Mike Leach, is who recruited Sawyer Robertson. And so uh, he was really brought up in the air raid, had a great career at Lubbock Coronado High School. But this, this wide zone that Jeff Grimes is trying to run so far seems to be a rough fit for him. Uh, and but we'll see what he's able to produce this week. But right now, Bears thin it, uh, thin a quarterback, and missing they're probably their best running back. Yeah, Matt, it's crazy. I know Bear fans would probably want Blake Shapen back as much as they do now. It's pretty crazy to think about that. But let's talk about Monterey Baldwin a little bit because going into the season, he was the main attraction for this wide receiver core from you know our standpoint. And I don't think he's touched the ball in the last two weeks. Is that an injury situation? Or like you mentioned, Sawyer Robinson is just struggling that much. He can't even find those guys. Well, he's touched it while dropping the ball um so you've had you've had a couple of drops and we don't exactly know what monterey's going through right now but some some pretty rough body language at times out on the field and let's just say i think he's kind of at a crossroads with the bears you know i'm sure y'all seen this in austin at times you're like "Uh uh-oh whatever is going on here may result in a transfer portal at some point. I'm afraid that's where the Bears now. That doesn't mean he certainly has great speed. He's been a breakaway threat. He had a huge play even in that uh, Sugar Bowl a couple years ago. He's capable. The guy I would say, though, to keep a closer eye on would be Keytron Jackson, the transfer from Arkansas. He has been able to, to, to be a deep threat, to uh, make contested catches, and, and if they are to have any success in the passing game, he needs to have a big day. And then a guy named Hal Presley, um, who uh, is also big body, doesn't mind going up and getting in traffic. Uh, he's, a pretty, he's a pretty good wide receiver. But um, Baldwin is kind of a head scratcher at this point. Do I think he could be total breakaway threat? Absolutely. 
but he he has not been in a in a great place lately and um coaching staff hasn't really addressed it we're only allowed to talk dave aranda is a one voice kind of like uh, old bill parcells used to be only one man talks during the season and dave is a fascinating character it's not like we don't like hearing from dave but dave's also you know kind of a quirky uh extremely introverted kind of guy so i will say there are some times in a season you really would like to hear from some other folks and for whatever reason aranda doesn't do it that way so do y'all get to talk to players they bring a they bring a few out during the week um but it's you know again you saw that situation at usc it's a uh, extremely controlled environment and i don't know how baylor would react to something similar but let me just say they the the old school chip browns of the world uh i'd like to include myself in that like going and hunting down coaches and getting players away from the facility i mean you know they 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 frown so much on that and again that doesn't keep us from doing it chip but it's uh it's a very sterile, like can't even, you can't even get the quarterback after games. It's like, it's like you just kind of wait to see who they bring out. And it might be someone who had like three carries in the game. And you're kind of looking around like, wait, Richard Reese? Richard Reese carried the ball four times. You know, Dawson Pendergrass was like, I don't know, he touched the ball 20 times in that game. And yeah, it's just, it's who you get. And, and they really actually have a great football SID. I really like him, but I honestly think it's, you know, some of that stuff's coming from above him. Yeah. Hey, Matt, talk to us about these last three games, starting with Texas State. You know, obviously that was a shocker to everybody, but G.J. Kenny, his offense, man, very high-powered. Then Utah had the game won and a couple of turnovers late, end up losing, and then obviously y'all handled Long Island, but this season clearly hasn't gone what the Bears thought it would after going 6-4 and four last year. Break down those three games a little bit. Well, I was hoping you guys wouldn't make me revisit Texas State. I've uh, I've tried to put it behind me in life and move on from that episode. But uh, yeah, that was an embarrassment. Um, all hats off to GJ. His dad was a great linebacker at Baylor, uh, Gary Joe Kenny back in the day, and so that was a little weird. And by the way, Gary Joe has another son who was on the Baylor sideline that day, so it, it was kind of an interesting day for the Kenny family. You know. That's one thing, and I, I, I emailed or texted some of this to Chip, but I I think a, a big issue for the Bears is, you know, obviously the position that Petrie played a couple of years ago, the star position, they have these hybrid positions. They've got the jack linebacker. they got the star, which is like a safety, but a guy who comes up and makes rushes the passer sometimes. They're using a seventh-year player um, and named Bryson Jackson who was a nice linebacker and a nice pass rusher. I mean, a good player. But now they put him back at safety, and G.J. Kinney walked into that stadium with like 50 new players on his team, right, all the portal. I mean, he's kind of like the mini Dion, and, and he just hunted for that guy all the whole game. Like, okay, where's Bryson? Okay, we'll go there. And, and they just completely just out-schemed the Bears – 
everything you could imagine. It was a perfect storm, an awful storm, because you had first time ever Matt Pallage was calling a defensive game, the Baylor's new defensive coordinator, first time ever. And then all this new personnel they didn't know about, and then they just had some some matchup nightmares, and they barely belonged on the field with Texas State. They got blown off the ball. Well, the next week, they actually looked good at the line of scrimmage and played great defense for much of the game. Now, Utah had their backup quarterbacks, and maybe it's a product of that. But still, they had beaten Florida. Utah's a good team, good program, top whatever, top 11. And the Bears just couldn't finish. Same thing happened against TCU last year. They got the game. They're up. Um, and they couldn't They couldn't do it. Chip and I were talking recently about a time when Texas did that a couple of years ago. Texas is up uh, 24-14 over the Bears, sitting in pretty good shape. And, the Bears, and they could not close it out. The Bears win. The Bears are going to have a you know incredible season. And by the way, that was like the last game when Joey McGuire left the Baylor Bears and decided he would go be a part of the Texas Tech Red Raiders. And believe me, fellas, this is a fan base that if if they need Tech to keep losing games because <laughs> if Tech is as good as their recruiting suggests they could be and they start winning games, it's going to bring back all this. We could have hired Joey McGuire, but we hired the whispering coach from, from LSU. And again, I like Dave, but when things go south, fan bases don't want like the introvert or the guy who like never shows any emotion. Y'all have seen this for years. You, you want your coach getting mad or getting angry and, and sort of um, – sort of maybe being an extended yeah yeah we're a little fire and uh, i'm trying to think almost kind of like uh this is more of a chin gailey uh chip than than a than a parcells or somebody like that this is a soft spoken and chin, i'm sure chin had his moments but dave or, but now I'll, I'll say this aranda this week has had this real quiet well it's, he quiet's the only thing he has but <laughs> <laughs> There's this real confidence that he has in, like, I mean, he he kind of is hinting that thinks they could do something special Saturday. He knows what it means to the fan base. He's talked to the players about the history. Something tells me the players couldn't give two hoots about Grant Taft putting a worm in his mouth. You know, back in back in the 1970s. Um, or any of these speeches or any of the stuff that's happened, but they have gone over the history. And you saw the, our, our SIDs putting out tweets about how dominant the Bears have been over the past 75 meetings, if you count men's and women's basketball. <laughs> Boom. Boom. Well, mostly... You also do the Doomsday Podcast with Ed Werder, talking Cowboys. Yes. And these Dallas Cowboys have Cowboy Nation frothing at the mouth, thinking about something special. What do you uh, What do you like about the Cowboys? And what? And there's not much not to like right now. Are you buying the Mike McCarthy Dak love affair and and? Just the magic carpet ride of those two? Well, 
it's funny because the other day I asked Jerry about, did he watch Dion? And Jerry's eyes lit up. And even Jerry <laughs> caught himself, though, because he was like, you know where this is going if I start bragging on Dion. Um, the thing about the Cowboys and Chip, we've seen it for a lot of years now. They, It, it almost is like, in some ways, the, the regular season feels irrelevant, right? I mean, obviously, they need to do well again. But this would, if they win 12 games, this would be three straight seasons, 12 wins. In some ways, this has been a dominant football team going on three years now. But they're going to run into, in that divisional game, heaven forbid they ever make it to an NFC title game. That hadn't happened in, what, 30 years. But they're going to run up against San Francisco at some point. And there's a, either a huge mental hurdle or something um, that's preventing that from happening to the point where it, it, when analyzing that game last year in the playoffs, it's kind of like, well, shouldn't the Cowboys have this huge advantage with Dak over Brock Purdy? And yet you get to the game and it wasn't much of an advantage. In fact, it might have been a disadvantage. Dak played poorly. Now against Tampa the week before, he played beautifully in the playoffs. So I, I don't want to dismiss that. But all this feels like, well, does it, any of it matter if they're going to get to the playoffs and do what they always do? Now, Micah Parsons continues to turn it up to the point where, I mean, he's the most dominant Cowboys defensive player since insert whoever you want. DeMarcus Ware, maybe you even go back to the old days whether it be Haley, whoever, there's just there's no one out there right now that's wrecking offenses like Parsons is. And I just saw like in that recent game um, where they beat the Jets, and of course it was Zach Wilson, but nine he had nine uh, hurries, two sacks, and you know that left tackle was not. He's a he's kind of got had a guy who's had a great a nice long career, Dwayne Brown, and he was like oh, so overmatched and didn't even belong on the field with Parsons. So the the difference in this team, guys, from the Cowboys teams that we've covered in the past, is that they kind of come at you in waves. There's like this week they may get soon they'll have Donovan Wilson and Jordan Lewis will be back. Well, it's just like. Honestly, they're replacing guys who are playing extremely well. So Donovan is, just happens to – so I guess the biggest – all that to say, I I don't know. This team does feel a little different. You know, they're, better, they're better than ever on defense. They obviously can score on the defensive side of the ball. This is going to come down to is this McCarthy play calling – and this so-called Texas Coast offense, is that going to get Dak to the next level? And by the way, early returns, Kellen Moore, 0-2, uh, calling plays for the Chargers. Uh, Mike, 2-0. Now we'll see. They got another game against another bad quarterback in Arizona. So they finally will get a test coming up here, uh, San Francisco. In, you know, in a couple of weeks, that that'll be a, that'll be a great test. But right now, we're we're planning our our, our parade routes here in Dallas. <laughs>
Hey, Matt, do you think this Cowboys defense is even more motivated for the fact that Dan Quinn came back and they know with how good he is, he might not be around for long unless if something very dramatic happens with the Cowboys and Mike McCarthy. But it seems like this defense is kind of relishing on the fact that their defensive coordinator, he doesn't have many years left with them. I think I think Dan could have left a couple times now and at least once for sure and just kind of it's very smart of him I, i'm sure they've given him an enormous contract um and he's kind of like you know what the thing the head coaching thing didn't go so great in atlanta kind of flamed out there being known as maybe the best defensive coordinator in the game or the top three with the cowboys and never sort of getting the blame when they when they lose in the playoffs. Nobody's like, oh, it's Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn couldn't get it done. I think Dan is smart enough to realize he's got a pretty great thing going. But to your point, I do think Micah and the rest of the defense, there's a there's a great like it reminds me, and there are different characters, absolutely, but, you know, I really like Wade Phillips, even though I beat up on him like crazy when he was the head coach. But Wade had a great way as a defensive coordinator of, like, putting certain players in great matchups and just, like, elevating all their games. And Dan has that in a big way. And, you know, he had that great run with Seattle, but this whole thing's different. He's He's kind of He's not using all the same concepts that he did there. So I think he's now shown that he could be pretty great at two dips as a defensive coach. So I guess all that to say, I don't think he's in a hurry to take one of these jobs. I mean, look at Sean Payton right now. Like everybody thought, oh my gosh, they're going to be great now, or they'll at least be a playoff team because they got the great Sean Payton. Well, so far, not not great. So I think Dan kind of is really relishing, to use your word, this opportunity and, and, and may not be in a, in a rush to be a head coach. Early thoughts on the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, the team that everyone is picking or most were picking to win the NFC East after going to the Super Bowl last year. You know, I think there's always a bit of a hangover when you do what they did and, and make it as far as they did, um, I think that quarterback is just, I mean, he's just, he's, it's like he and Dak are on the same level, I think, from intangibles and like leadership. I do think they're both like unbelievable leaders, the people you want up representing your team. But he just is a better player right now. And so that's the that's the huge advantage that the Eagles have. Now again, could they, could Mike McCarthy, could this thing change? But I think the Eagles are gonna sputter here for a little while. Um, but I, I just think there's too much there. I'm thinking about the defense. They're always great on the D-line. They're hurting right now at linebacker. They're banged up on the defensive side. I, I think if you're going to get on the Eagles, you better get after them now. Like if the Cowboys, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but whatever that first matchup is, get them as early as you can. Because I do think they're they're kind of sputtering around a little bit. They're banged up at wide receiver. 
They're banged up on, on defense. Um, so still think, but I mean, I, so right now you might give the Cowboys the upper hand of the division, but it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's going to be a dog fight between those two. And I don't, I don't buy into anything the commanders are up to. Um, and I don't buy into anything the giants are up to. I mean, it's just, those are, those, they're just kind of plodding along and we have to somehow we wake up every week and go, wait, why are they putting them in prime time? Like, why are we having to watch the Giants again? Um, <laughs> but but I, I wouldn't put much stock in either of those two. Mostly, when I look at Dak and I look at his numbers, his first three years in the league, he was really good. He ran. When things, when things broke down in the pocket, he would run. Then, as he, you know, the next three years, when things broke down in the pocket, he'd keep hitching and force a bad throw instead of running. Looks like he's back to using his legs to making, you know, if things break down, let me go get that five, six, seven yards. When he does that, he's a different quarterback. Yeah, he is. And one thing you guys will like this and sure it's such huge football guys, but one thing they keep talking about, which I think there's some truth to this is they've worked with his footwork like crazy to get his legs and everything and his feet pointed at exactly where he's going. And he, he just would kind of, he had some injuries and in one of those seasons, he never quite got over one. And I don't know what you can blame all the interceptions on. Some of them were tipped and all, but what is also helping him is they finally seem to understand how to use some of their gadget type players. Like for years, they would just do weird stuff like Jordan Lewis. Uh, he, he seems fast. Let's run him on a jet sweep. One of our defensive players, just weirdness like that. Now you've got Deuce Vaughn. Okay. Here's a package for you. Turpin. Here's a little package for you. Dowdle. Okay, he does some nice things. Here's a little package for Dowdle. There's a lot more variation um, than what they were doing. And so I'm starting to kind of buy into, for years, Stephen Jones would have to come out and go, well, this year, we're going to try to get Pollard or whoever it was before that. You remember it was Lance, somebody from UNT, the, the, the little running back. We're going to try to get him a bunch of uh, touches. Lance Dunbar, I think his name. And they never did it. They never did it. Well, now it's kind of like, you know what? They're going to they're gonna be at least one drive a game uh, where Deuce is going to be heavily, heavily involved. Well, that's a great change of pace. You can't find him. He's fast. I mean, y'all have seen him with Texas playing against K-State these last few years. He He's a, he's a way big-time change of pace type guy. So, um I just think there's a lot more um, right now variety. And the only thing you would, if you want to pick on something right now, they were not great in the red zone the other day. They were not scoring touchdowns. They kicked a bunch of field goals um, and kicked like, well, I don't know, five field goals or something crazy. So we got to get that taken care of. Uh, red zone offense and see where that is. But for the most part, everything's looking pretty good. What's your uh, prediction for Texas Baylor Saturday night? <laughs> I predict that you and I share an embrace uh, in the press box. Um, I'll stop by and see you guys because I want to see you all in person. Um, I I would say probably as much as it pains me to say, 
probably Texas. I think the Bears will play some defense, much like what happened against Wyoming. Uh, Horns pull away late. Probably, I think, 27-17. Bears cover. Bears cover. Or look, yeah, let's yeah, let's stick with that. 27-17, Longhorns, their final hurrah uh, on the banks of the Brazos in Waco. And all the Horns fans take over Georgia's and drink the night away. Okay. I mean, we can't say it any better than Israel Saucedo said, Lake Highlands finest. <laughs> the one and only Matt Mosley. Hey, hey, Matt, before we let you go, were you surprised to see Art Browse on the sideline for the Sooners a couple of weeks ago? You guys are breaking up. I can't. I'm, I'm losing you. <laughs> See, we had such a nice goodbye, and you had to. Yeah, I'm, I'm just asking. I'm just asking. Forgot that cover, though. Was that a shocker to you like it was to us around here? You know, I still check in with Art, uh, and that was a really difficult deal uh, for everybody, obviously, what all happened, and just a horrible scandal. Um, it does not shock me because he never loses. He's desperate to get back. And like part of him wanted to probably to be down on that field. He didn't want to cause all this controversy, obviously. Um, but like there's still a little part of Art Riles who thinks somebody somebody's going to give him a shot and Grambling's tried nobody. So um, I do think in that instance, maybe he thought it was late enough after the game. I don't know. I don't understand how anybody can see what happened with all that and not think it's going to blow up. But I, I still to this day think he, he almost thinks maybe he could get another shot. And I'll tell you something else that I don't know if I've ever mentioned this to Chip. Jay, uh, I think Art thought he had a a shot to get back in Mississippi State and, and coach on that staff as an analyst or whatever. And um, when Mike when Mike Leach passed away, that any hope of that ended. Uh, and that really was something. Uh, I I I've thought about this, and it's probably the only person in college football. There are probably two people that could take the backlash. One is Leach. One is Jerry Jones, um, and Jerry's not going to do it, and Mike, sadly, we've lost him. So kind of uh, an interesting nugget there, but, but uh, yeah, I, Art, it, it just, he can't, he just, he, he, it's, it's extremely, he's at the game, and there's an opportunity to be down on the field. I, to me, I didn't go crazy on the story. I had colleagues that thought, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this is horrible. Fire his son-in-law, all that. I thought that was a little much. Um, and But he's got to understand that anything he does, even if they had caught a shot of him in his jersey up in the stands, somebody would have tried to make a huge deal out of it. Okay? But on the field, yes, it was going to, if anybody that caught a picture of that, it was going to turn into a big thing. And by what the way, never, what I've never understood about Art is that he would have just said, I'm horrified. Yeah. What happened here. I have a daughter. I can't believe this happened on my watch. I'm going to do everything I can to try to, you know, he just never stepped up and fell yeah. in 
board. And I get it. There were other people involved in that scandal that were higher than him who were more responsible for it than him. And I'm sure he knows that and feels that, but he's still got to come out and say, I can't believe this happened. I'm mortified. I'm I'm so sorry, you know? And he I just, think he I think he thought he did that on one of those Rinaldi. They did an interview with him, I, I think. I'm trying to remember all that in two thousand, you know, after it happened. And I think he I think he thought he did, but like you're right about what you said at first. He he still thinks he was wrong by Baylor and that he truly didn't he might have admitted that he could have done better, but he doesn't. He thinks he was the scapegoat. And he and even after, Yeah, even now. And yeah. He's got to, he's got to, if he wants to coach again, and he's a great coach, if he wants well, to coach again, he's got to. You know, Texas, that's, that's one of those history could have been so different. And who knows? I don't know what would have happened at University of Texas under his watch, but he would have taken that job. In 2000, what was that? 12 or 13, 14, when, when Charlie got hired. Yeah. Um, he would have taken that job, and Baylor was just begging him to stay and doing. And Baylor went out there to a bowl game in Arizona and wasn't even focused and got beat by UCF because everybody was scared Art was going to leave. And he ends up staying. But I mean, think about how much history would have been different there. There were a bunch of UT people, I'm sure, that wanted Art, and you know Art was going to take that job, and for whatever reason, they went another direction. And, well, you know, the Patterson. rest is history. Steve Patterson. Steve Patterson asked go. Go to Jim Mora, interviewed <coughs> James Franklin, and hired Charlie Strong. So <laughs> those, those were the dark days for the Texas Longhorns, my friend. All right, we know you got a show to get ready for. We'll let you... Uh, We'll let you get after it, Mosley. Great conversation. Let's do it again soon. Okay, guys. Good to good to be streaming with you. And uh, and thanks to whoever. I like when a thing comes across and I see comments and all. I wish we had that technology in Waco, but we'll hopefully get that soon. <laughs> there he is. Lake Highland's finest. Matt. Yes, yes. yes. Mosley. I love that guy. All right. Thanks, all my All my best. Uh all right, I'll see you Saturday. All right, there he goes, Matt Mosley. Um, let me, real quick, before we get to the right call from my man Zay Collier, uh, my man uh, Tom McKay and Audiovisual Consultations, they got you taken care of. So I know some of you have been hearing us talk about it and you've been thinking about it. Do it. Do it. You're going to get the best price on the big screen TV if you're ready to upgrade. And all you got to do is call 255-8678. Tom and his crew are going to bring everything to you. From the free consultation to installation, they handle it all. All you got to do is like unlock the door, let them in. They're going to bring you the, the big screen TV, the surround sound, the surveillance, the electronic shades. And then you, you know, say, hey, thanks for coming and close the door and you're set. That's way better than you going and trying to shop and get gouged in a box store. Don't do that. Audio visual consultations, avconsultations.com. Just make the call, 255-8678. Tell them Chip Brown sent you. Tell them Texas Sports Unfiltered sent you.
All right, it is time for the right call with my man, Zay Collier. Yeah, let's get it, man. These last 10 minutes before <laughs> our gals come on. Texas Fancy Boots and Rocky Knows Best, Megan and Rocky for the Fire, the Cannon podcast, starting at three. Chip, I like a good celebrity relationship. You're talking to a guy that loves trash TV. I love reality TV. Going back to the days of Flavor of Love or Flavor Flav had his own Bachelor show, and that was absolute chaos. To Brett Michaels, his version was terrific, too. I'm all about that stuff, man. So when I see a good celebrity couple or a potential celebrity couple, I'm all over it. I'm all over it because how can that much status make it work? Like how can people with that much credibility and just a life that you and I will never ever get to, you know, dream of really or what we dream of, but experience and how do they make it work with their crazy schedules to be like you and I, just normal married folk? Well, there's two relationships that are going on in the NFL and just the whole entire celebrity world. We haven't talked about one, but one's been just kind of hanging out a lot lately. You know, a week ago, it probably came out. Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Travis Kelsey is kind of a player. I'm not going to lie. He, he actually had his own Bachelor-like show called Catching Kelsey. Watch that. It was terrible. He didn't stay with the girl that he chose at the end. So, yeah, but Travis Kelsey, he's diverse. It doesn't matter what kind of woman you are. He'll give you a shot, and I salute him for that. A lot of guys are kind of stuck in the box. But to hear this about him and Taylor Swift is very interesting because if you don't know about her track record, She's been with some pretty high status guys herself, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal, the name of few, Harry Styles, I want to say, and she always dumps them and then writes songs about them. So this is just a rumor, but Ed Sheeran, yeah, Ed Sheeran, exactly. Like she, she likes talent. You Did can't she get with John Mayer too, or was he? Yes, just yes, she was okay. with John Mayer. Yeah, I know no he was with right Jessica Simpson. Mm, yeah, John Mayer, he's had his fair share of fun out there. But yeah, so I like that one. But a new one just popped off recently. That's a rumor. And it's Odell Beckham Jr. and Kim Kardashian. So yeah, I'm okay. Kim Kardashian. We, she obviously has a track record. She has some luggage going on, just the whole Kardashian name. The woman got famous off of a sex tape. Shout out to Ray J. You're an absolute legend. Shout out to you. But yeah, she's been with her fair share of guys. Reggie Bush, Chris Humphreys, obviously Kanye, who she has kids with and was married to. Um, there was word on the street, Tom Brady. They were talking, and Tom, yeah, yeah, that was like a couple of months ago. And Tom Brady, you know, I don't know what he's doing, but that dude, yeah, he's definitely enjoying offseason. But Odell Beckham, who is now hurt, by the way, so a lot of Ravens fans are probably thinking, uh-oh, that Kardashian curse, it might be real. 
it might be real. <laughs> He's been, you know, those, those Kardashians, they've been with some guys and their careers have kind of gone in the crapper since they've been with them. Lamar Odom. Lamar Odom. Yeah, that dude was at the Tristan Thompson. Yo, Tristan Thompson's my guy too. Longhorn alum, obviously. Like that dude, they do him wrong on the show. The new season, they do him wrong on the show. Courtney just straight up told old boy, hey, Tristan, you don't deserve Chloe. Y'all got kids together. I don't give a damn. You don't deserve her. And all of America has to see that. So Tristan, well, he's doing well. I hope, you know, I see him on ESPN and stuff. But yeah, Odell Beckham, Kim Kardashian, Travis Kelsey, Taylor Smith, uh, Swift. So I ask you, my guy, which one do we like more? Which one are we more in favor or do you think is going to be more successful? Now, these are just rumors, speculation. You haven't seen pictures of them together, no Instagram posts, no paparazzi. You haven't really seen that. So this is just going around. But, you know, rumors are rumors for a reason. Which couple do you like more? Well, this, this reminds me of when uh, my man Chris Bennett just brought it up, when Matt Nordgren was, like, moving in on Lindsay Lohan. What? Matt Nordgren, the backup quarterback for the Longhorns in 05. And Lindsay Lohan, who famously got caught with cocaine in her pants <laughs> and said, they're not my pants, mm. which is like one of the best alibis I've ever heard. <laughs> Le leave it to Lindsay Lowe to come up with that one. But you know what? OBJ and Kim K., this sounds staged to me. So I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Travis, Kelsey and Taylor Swift because I think I think they are a train wreck that is just bound to make some incredible train wreck headlines. Yeah, if I'm Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and if this is true, I'm a little concerned. Just because Taylor, she's different, man. She's a little toxic. Just like she's a little, she's a little toxic. Like I saw her at the Video Music Awards on MTV the other night, and she was plastered, Chip. She was drunk and dancing, and she was kind of swaying like Stevie Wonder a little bit. And just, just something about Taylor Swift that's just off to me. And like you know, do, do all your boyfriends they all have to be super talented like i get it you want somebody on your level like you know not every woman's oprah with stedman stedman out here just doing nothing at the crib right now eating hot cheetos on the couch in his underwear but taylor some about and travis is travis is toxic too He's very toxic, catching Kelsey and uh, hearing about his ex-girlfriend who supposedly he made her pay half of everything. Like they split bills and split <laughs> split money arrangements down the line, which, you know, she ain't no professional athlete, especially no NFL athlete. So, Travis, that's a little, I don't know. But, yeah, man, like I think Kim Kardashian is a little misunderstood, where I think Taylor Swift, I think she gets too much credit just because the Swifties, you know, they're just batshit insane. Like she, her, <laughs> like her posse and the people that follow her, like that's, that's different, man. Like Dude, they're talking about she, she might be too big to play the Super Bowl halftime show. Too big? 
Taylor Swift. Like too big of a name? Too too big. Like would overshadow the Super Bowl because her concert was so in demand and it's crazy. Like she's the hottest thing going. I can't remember, like, I guess what, Harry Styles. So this is a funny story. Speaking of Harry Styles. So we're going to Moncrief to do some interviews and there's a line of people around Moody. Yeah. And we go in to talk to Sarkeesian and Sarkeesian tells us those people are waiting to get their picture with Harry Styles. Those people are paying $500 a piece to take a selfie with Harry Styles. And the, the line was like a thousand long. Like that dude was about to pocket $500,000 from people who wanted to pay $500 to Harry Styles to get a selfie with him. He's going to make 500000 in 30 minutes before his five concert run at Moody. I'm like, people lose their minds over these concerts. You know what I'm saying? Taylor's yeah, tickets. Yeah, I'd never pay that much. I never pay that much. I'm the biggest Nas Jay-Z fan in the world. Hey, y'all, guess I just ain't going to see y'all when y'all come to the ATX. Sorry, I listen to your albums. I'll support you there. But nah, man, not for no damn picture. I'll Photoshop that thing if it gets that serious, you know. But yeah, Harry Styles is like the white prince. He be dressing in some flamboyant stuff and be wearing blouses and, and stuff like that. And the women love the dude. I've, I've never seen anything like hey, Harry Styles before. He's different. Prince, Prince was my guy. Yeah. I saw him on the opening show, opening show of the Purple Rain Tour in November 1984 in Detroit. Man. Bruce Springsteen waited till the lights went down, and Bruce Springsteen came out and sat with fans. And he said later... He didn't want to be up in a suite or something because he wanted to experience Prince like a fan. Wow. And it was insane how hot that concert was and how. And then, yeah, I mean, Chris Bennett. I'm yeah, I'm that guy. I went to Paisley Park. I went to Prince's house the year after he died. They opened up Prince's house, had all these people come back and do concerts. You know, the time, Sheila E., um, and so, like, I went on the tour through his house. They opened it all up. And, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Prince, that's my guy. So, like, did you ring the doorbell and instead of a normal sound, it was the... Oh, yeah. And then the, con the concert hall, the concert hall he had in his house was insane. He would throw concerts at midnight and just word of mouth. People would show up. He'd just play acoustic concerts. And he recorded everything. So he's got this vault of concert footage. They show it every year they've been doing this. Uh, it's amazing. But anyway, we gotta we gotta we gotta turn the keys to the car over to That's the right. uh, to the ladies because fire the cannon is about to come your way. Ladies, how you doing? Uh we're great. How are you? We're great. We're we loved Harry Styles. We went to see him at the Moody Center. Did not pay big money for the autograph, but we had a blast at the show. Awesome Very show. impressed. So he lives up. He lives up to the hype. I had no idea. He was such a talented musician. And the cool thing about his show was the 
band was phenomenal. He worked the entire stage and so many women in his band. It was, it was amazing. We loved it. We had a great time. There you go. Mm-hmm. There you go, Zay. Yeah, I know. I'm not news, surprised one news bit. Harry's a legend. News you can use. <laughs> Absolutely. Hopefully we have a couple more hours of news you can use. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll turn it over to y'all. Have All a right. great good, show. Good show, guys. Thanks.